Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm Adam. And I'm Al. Now, we understand that every three seconds a new podcast is created, and now there's actually one podcast for every three people. So we just wanted to take a minute to say thank you very much for downloading this one, and we hope you enjoy it. In a nutshell, we realised that some of our film tastes weren't what you'd call conventional. So we decided to talk about them and hopefully shed some light on some films that either didn't get what we felt deserved at the time, or we just wanted to rewatch and talk about them. You don't have to have seen the film, but if you haven't, you may want to just give it a quick Google. What's the and that? <sighs> Enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Just Films and That. I'm Josh Hallam. I'm here with Adam Ward. Hello. And Al Bollins. Hello. Uh, we're still recording in lockdown. Are we both okay? Al, you okay? I'm very well, thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, a bit bored, putting on weight like everybody, but you know. Um, Adam, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, I've got to say, I got this, um, this coffee machine for my birthday, and I feel like it's uh, it's pretty life changing having this coffee. Yeah, I've I mean, had coffee for like two months. For so, spring in your step. Yeah, it really has. So I miss expensive that. coffee. Mm, exactly. That's, that's really what I want. So yeah. it's delightful having that. that. Like I'm starting like it's become part of my like routine to like the past couple of days wake up, have a coffee, do like a like a mini mini workout because I've been lazy as hell lately. Um, and you know what I did the other day as well. Um, and I feel this is really, I feel like this is a thing that um, only grown-ups can do. Um, I bought a pineapple and I felt um, like a whole pineapple. And I felt I sliced it up good. I feel only adults can do that. Do you know what I mean? It takes some work to cut up a pineapple well. And like down I, life. Well, that's it. It's it's like so. I, and I cut it up real well, and like um, so now it's in my fridge, all sliced up into neat cubes. There are some plus points from lockdown for you. It's that you've cut a pineapple up so damn good. If anything, I mean that that's almost on par with the coffee machine. Just being able to do that. We sh- we should say, as we have with the other episodes, that we are doing this over Zoom. So do uh, bear with us with the sound quality. We'll we'll do our best to get it tidied up. Where I am, there might be a little bit of building work outside. So apologies for that, but we'll do our best. Um, well, as always, we start with a completely random question. Adam, have you got any weird phobias or fears or anything like that? Um. I- I feel like mine are quite run of the mill. I've never liked clowns or heights. So a very tall clown would be horrifying to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, heights and clowns. And you know, it's not a phobia, but um, onions in things <laughs> bothers me. That really, you've mentioned that before. That really is like a button for yeah. you, isn't it? I like spring onions. Nice and fresh. You've said that before as well. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, spring onions, great. But onions, onions. Al, what about you? Any weird phobias? I don't really have phobias. Um, uh, I suppose, I don't know if it's a phobia, but you know if if I'm walking through town and I've got my headphones on, I'm very scared of everything at that point because I'm very aware that I can't hear anything. I, it's, it's, I don't know if that's a phobia or not, but not being able to hear. Now, with the, the thing with the headphones, um, 
if I'm walking around with headphones on and I'm not wearing my glasses, if someone like says hi to me or something, I've just not they're, they're, they've not been seen. I yeah. think a lot of the times people people will think I'm very rude. Yeah, that's um, a, that's a phobia as well. Like people thinking I'm rude because I've got my headphones on and they've mm. said hello and I haven't and I've noticed too late something like that. Oh, I do that constantly. I think I think there'll be a lot of people who think I am rude because. If I'm, I, I think, because I don't wear my glasses all the time, but I can't see stuff from a distance. But I just don't like wearing my glasses all the time. So, like, yeah. if someone, like, waves from across the street at me, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm not waving back in case I don't know the person. So I'll I'm the opposite. Them I wave angrily. anyway. Some waves oh, no, see, I can't. I couldn't live with the shame of if they were waving at someone behind me. Oh, it's happened a lot. If we were walking down the street with headphones and we walked past a hot dog stand who was frying onions and Al had headphones on, then both of you two would lose it, basically? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Absolutely. What's what yours? Yeah, what have you got? Um, again, no phobias, obviously, because phobias... Well, some people say they have a phobia, what they mean is they just don't like something, do, don't they? I, I suppose a phobia is a genuine thing, but I don't like... I have a really weird fear of my teeth falling out. Um, I have dreams of my teeth are falling out, which I know some people analyze that and stuff. I, I purpose from what I've seen, the analysis doesn't doesn't match what I feel because actually the reason I'm scared of my teeth falling out is because I went to the, I had um, braces for a long time. It was like nearly ten years altogether. So I think that it's more that than the actual fight psychoanalysis side of it. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think I think like the psychoanalysis thing is like it's like a vanity thing, isn't it? It's vanity, or it's you're scared of losing someone. Yeah. Um, but it, honestly, it's because I had so much work done on my teeth when I was a teenager. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. I think I'm like that as well. I, I cracked my two front teeth when I was very young, and there's still a slight crack. Um, like eating an apple, I've always been scared to eat an apple with my two front teeth because of the cracks. I think that I think they're more they're fine, but mm. yeah. So the de- so the so teeth. I don't mind going to the dentist. Obviously, like scraping polish isn't exactly pleasant, but I'm okay. And I don't like, um, so I don't like eyes and I don't mean, like, I don't like people touching their eyes and stuff. So if my partner puts on eyeliner, I like, I, 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 it's again, it's not a phobia. I just kind of wince. Mm. I hate anything in my eyes. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I remember having to have eye drops and like, I literally, you had to be like my brother and my dad held me down or my mum put the eye drops in. That's how much I hated it. Mm. Even in like the last, last time I was doing a show and like I had to have like, eyeliner in i hated it like, what about contact like, oh, lenses oh, i've never had them see i've just got used to them now i can put them in and take them out so basically if the three of us were walking down the street a hot dog seller was trying to talk to al with headphones in frying onions and touching his eyes we'd be absolutely useless <laughs> anyone frying onions and touching their eyes needs to have a, a real look at themselves <laughs> that is not a correct person it's horrifying So we're joined by another fantastic guest today. He's a writer, a podcaster, a Twitterer, a Crystal Palace fan, and an all-round general spreader of kindness and joy. Giles Paley Phillips, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, How are you coping with lockdown? Who you hold up with and all that? Yeah, well, I'm wife and two kids, and uh, it's been all right, actually, I have to say. My wife's a teacher, so she's set about putting a timetable in place fairly swiftly. Yeah. Even before it officially had happened. (laughs) For the kids and you, or just the kids? Yeah, all of us. You all do, of them. Doing your yeah. times tables and yeah, I need one too. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So generally, we've been all right actually. I mean, we live in a little um, town in on the south coast called Seaford, which is in between Eastbourne and Brighton. It's quite a sleepy little town. So unless you're in like the main centre of town where all the shops are, it's it doesn't. It just feels like a Sunday every day, really. I mean, <laughs> I guess that's the same for a lot of people, but yeah, it doesn't feel like we're necessarily in the midst of midst of a massive pandemic people are sort of doing their own thing I suppose still. that's I suppose that's good in a way I mean I live quite close to a city centre so it's, yeah. it's, it's it is a little bit like 28 days later when I go to work yeah I can imagine it's a bit more stark in in, in big city centres but yeah so we were lucky in that respect and obviously the weather's been good we're lucky we've got a garden so the kids can mm-hmm. go out and play and stuff so there are a lot of things that I quite like about it actually I mean I work from home anyway um, so that's not changed very much 
but yeah, just I guess it's a bit of time to reflect on things a little bit. Absolutely. And, yeah. So I think yeah, there are many aspects that I would you know I kind of like to continue actually. So you've recently done your your lockdown marathon. Yeah. How how was that? You still saw? You still? Nah. Do you know what it was all right actually? I was really worried about being sore because going through because it's right so it's on the front door of my house down the hallway sort of round <laughs> the kitchen through our conservatory and then out to the back gate and there were a few steps and stuff and i was worried about trip hazards and things like that i did trip nearly trip one time then he went arse over tip but um <laughs> generally generally it was all right uh and i thought i would be really sore because the steps down and going back up and down i thought i would be feeling it the next day but actually it was okay i did the london marathon about three years ago 20 no four years ago um i was a lot worse after that one mm. i don't know if it's because you get a bit get carried away with the crowd and want to i don't know oh, like yeah. a, get a mo faro moment i'm yes, gonna yes. break the marathon world record <laughs> <laughs> no. why haven't i always done this yeah and then yeah <laughs> and then about 10 miles in you're thinking fuck <laughs> Uh, I am not today's not the day I'm going to break the world record <laughs> I am um, the first time I did I've only ever done a half done a couple of three or four half yeah, marathons yeah. and when I finished my first one luckily I lived about two miles from the finish line oh, but my okay. my dad literally had to almost carry me yeah and I did that how thing how many of, miles is a full marathon 26.2 the point two is very important as well oh, yeah yeah I tell you why, because the point two for me, right, is coming up the mall in London, the London Marathon, coming up the mall, and then there's a commentator, yeah. and this commentator was going, "Come on, come on," and, I, and you sort of assume it's for you, right? <laughs> but no, it was for this guy called Pete, who was running behind me with a postbox outfit on, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "No way, I'm not going to be beaten by Pete, who's done the same." With a whole post box, massive post box. He'd done the whole thing in a post box. I thought, no, there's no way that Pete is going to beat me. Um, so I, I had to pick up the pace. And that two po- that last point two of a, two of a mile was, was the worst bit. Mm. Did you beat Pete? You rub it in his face? I beat it. I yeah. beat him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 yeah. Fuck, you, yeah. fuck you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so how do people donate? If they want uh, to you can go to a Just Giving page. I think it's uh, Just Giving forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Giles hyphen Paley hyphen Phillips. We'll be sure to tweet out a link. P- please do, please do donate. Uh, just to say, it's all going to NHS charities together. So, yeah. uh, but which is needed more than ever. Let's be honest. So that's a great thing you've you've mm-hmm. done. You're you're quite active on Twitter. Do, do you have any kind of advice for anyone out there in lockdown? I think it's that. I I mean, the, the great thing. I mean, obviously. Lockdown is crap and, and and it's not, you know, it's it's we're all feeling it a little bit. But I think the fact that it's happened now when we're at a time where technology is at our disposal, that where we can still continue to connect. I mean, if you God think back ten years ago if this happened, we wouldn't mm. have had, you know, I mean, like tonight we're we're talking over Zoom. I think that's the thing that's really stuck with me a little bit is how uh how great it's been to have those outlets, having Twitter and Facebook and Mm. Instagram or whatever, and 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 things like Zoom and um, Skype and whatever that we can still stay connected. So I think that's the thing I would say to most people: is just keep connect, just yeah. connect, keep in touch. Because I think you know, obviously, we you know, uh, we are we are apart from each other at the moment, but we are still all in this kind of thing together. So mm. yeah, mm. that would be the main thing I'd say. As dull as those family quizzes might be, it's it's good to keep them going. Well, do you know what we've yeah we've we've we do one with a load of our friends every couple of weeks. And uh, I actually really enjoy. I've been hosting them as well. Oh, um, and uh, I've I've been really enjoying. It's actually something I quite like to carry on doing. <laughs> so uh, some of them are great. We did yeah. we did um we did a Harry Potter one. Oh, okay. Like the guys hosting were dressed as Dumbledore and nice. Professor Umbridge, and they really went all out on their costumes. So like when people when people put the effort in, it really makes a difference. Um, and finally, since we've answered it, do you have any weird fears or phobias? Uh, quite a few. To, get, to give you an idea, Al's was walking down the street with headphones on and missing what someone says to him. Adams was, um, well, you don't like clowns, but also it was it was like it was like onions, hard onions. And mine was um, yeah, onion crunch, <laughs> crunch. And mine was uh, my teeth falling out. Yeah, the teeth falling out. But I have a lot of dreams. Do you, have, do you yeah. dream about your teeth falling yeah. out? Yeah, I have that all the time. I, 
I, I think it's because every time I go to the dentist, I have to have something done. Oh, yeah. I, which is, and I don't think like my wife never has anything done, but we eat the same. You know, we both we both t- brush our teeth the same. Yeah, way. I think it's genetic. Um, yeah. Well. We'll move on to uh, to this week's film, which uh, mm. which Giles you've kindly uh, picked for us, which is uh, David Lynch's Lost Highway from nineteen ninety seven, I think. Yeah. Um, and as ever, big spoiler warning. So please do watch the film, or if you're not bothered about spoilers, carry on listening. Giles, what's it about? Why did you pick it? Okay, so um, I picked it because it's kind of out of all of david lynch's work is i think it's one of the ones that kind of flies under the radar a little bit not that he's a prolific filmmaker by any means but um one of the reasons it stuck with me because i went to there's a cinema in brighton called the duke of york mm. um and they used to do late night showings and me and my friend we just um i guess it was sort of just post college years we went to one of the late showings and it was Lost Highway. We didn't have a clue what it was. We used to just do that. You just go and watch a movie. Didn't know what it was really. Just thought, oh, that looks quite interesting. It had Bill Pullman in it. It looked quite sort of dark. And I think we both had a bit of a thing for Patricia Arquette. Um, and um, yeah, I think it was just that sense that it was a late night showing. It was, it was so creepy. I mean, I remember it being creepy. And it was the first film, I think, although we were sort of, I guess at that time, particularly for college, really ravenous for watching movies. And, you know, it was a lucky time for us. We kind of, during college, it was like, it was the whole kind of Tarantino burst onto the scene. There was, um, you know, things like Usual Suspects. That was 90s, that sort of era of the 90s was really, so many sort of iconic movies came out. Um, And I just think, yeah, just the whole concept around it, it being such an art house movie and really an an art house movie, filmmaker and it was kind of the first time i really come out of a film and we just talked about the film for hours afterwards mm. trying to dissect it and figure out what the mm. fuck happened in it <laughs> and if you guys have seen it you're probably also thinking what the fuck happened in here well um, yeah yeah i mean well i suppose moving on from that then mm. al adam had you either of you i i'll say i hadn't seen it before i i, I don't know if i'd even heard of it to be honest with you i think i might have done the, the title's one of those titles it sounds quite familiar what about yeah. you Al? Had, you, had you seen it um no i hadn't seen it i knew of it just from sort of like scanning through imdb for david lynch films basically mm. so i hadn't watched the film but i knew of the film um but i purposely kind of like most time, if I don't, if I'm not seen a film, I don't want to look anything up until I've watched it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't sort of. So nothing's ruined for me. Mm. So even in the opening credits, as soon as I saw Richard Pryor, Henry Rollins, Gary Busey, I was like, this seems like a film I would want to watch. Yeah, I was really surprised. Like I was watching it and I missed the Richard Pryor credit and. And then I saw him. I was like, is that Richard Pryor? Yeah. Mm. So it was like he was heady, heavy. Obviously, he was severely. Um, dis- disabled at that point yeah, with yeah. Parkinson. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah and, and that, like you say, all these kind of people who think shit, like Henry Rollins, like what the hell, you know? And I know that a lot of those guys have got sort of small parts in it, but um, I just yeah, and and the, the soundtrack as well is fantastic. Oh, the soundtrack that was one of my favourite things about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Al? Had you seen it? Uh, I'd never seen it. I'd never heard of it. Um, but on on the cast, uh, the <laughs> The, the opening sort of cast list and and credits and stuff seemed to go on forever. Mm. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I but I was I was watching that and I thought this is this is I've never heard of it, have no idea about it. But I thought this is a really strong cast for a film I've never heard of. Um, but yeah, no, I like I say, um, I don't think I don't think I'd ever I'd definitely not seen it, I'd not heard of it, but mm. I, I absolutely loved it though. Oh, did you? I spent a, a lot, a lot of the film, sort of like this, going. I don't really know. I don't understand what's going on. Have I missed something? Yeah. Have I should I have been paying more attention here? Um, but I feel like that was that was kind of the thing, wasn't it? It was it was it was purpose purposefully confusing and dark, yeah. and like say the soundtrack with what Ramstein and. Yeah, Marlon Manson and all that. Um, I just, I, I really, even though I didn't know what was going on for a large, large sections of it, I didn't, didn't, didn't uh, deter me from how much I enjoyed it. 
I think that's a pretty good sign of a film if you can actually say the words, I didn't know what was going on, but I still <laughs> yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> but I thought it was me. I was like, is, is, have, I, have, I, have I missed something here? Am I stupid here? But I didn't, I didn't feel like I did. No, and I think that's the, the reason why I loved it when I first saw it. And the, like I say, when we were discussing and trying to dissect it afterwards, and still to this day, me and my mate Dave, we still talk about that, this movie. This and, and Mulholland Drive as well, actually, mm. which was the next film we did after that. Are films that you, you have to interpret it in the, whatever way you want to interpret it. David Lynch is never going to tell anybody what it's about or what, mm. he, what the concept is because he just doesn't do that with his movies. And so it's up to us as the viewers. And that's the thing I love about it is the fact that it's entirely down to our own interpretation of it. He, he doesn't patronise his audience, does he? He kind of puts something out there and goes, well, what, this you, you decide. Um, what about you, Adam? Oh, sorry, sorry, Adam. Go, go on. Where Homer's watching Twin Peaks instead. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I have no idea what's going on. And that's kind of what... That's exactly what it was. <laughs> that yeah. sums of David Lynch up perfectly. It's, yeah. I have no idea what's going on, but I, that's why I was so intrigued by the film, because I, was, I spent the whole film trying to figure out what was going on. And you never really get that payoff of, here's the big twist that's everything yeah. revealed. And I think that's what made the film so interesting because I spent the whole of it just trying to figure out what was going on. The first part of it felt like it was like a picture yeah. play in mm -hmm. those long pauses between dialogue. And then when he switches, I was just there trying to figure out how has that happened? Why has that happened? Is it to do with this strange man? I suppose there was, there was so many, I felt like the film brings so many more questions. But I suppose as a filmmaker, that's what you want. You want people to ask, if, if you're not, people aren't talking about the film afterwards, then what's the point in making the film? Yeah, and I think you've you got to remember what David Lynch's roots are. He was an art student. He made art movies. Razorhead was his, well, as an art project. It took four years to make. You have to kind of remember what I was talking to my wife about this day. His roots mm. were, in a, were in that. And so he's, you know, it's like seeing an art exhibition. His movies are like that, you know. Not all of them, but... But, but certain movies of his are. Normally, when we talk about a film, we would always do like a plot synopsis, but it's quite difficult with this, not mm. because of spoilers, because we always warn people, but mm. it's, it's that thing of like, well, what do you say? It's, it's sounds a bit mad if you're like, well, he's a saxophonist, and then he might have killed his yeah. wife, and then he's yeah. another guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the film starts with, um, yeah, with Bill Pullman's character, who is, like you say, is a, a musician who lives in a, a fairly nice kind of suburban kind of area, and a... And a yeah, strange guy. Um, well, we see hear a voice on an intercom, don't we, at the beginning? Um, and then he starts to get. I guess he's very. You could tell straight off that he's he's just obviously quite possessive about his wife. Um, and then he starts. They start. They start receiving sort of videotapes of their their house um, and being being monitored and filmed. And then they sort of, yeah, and then it sort of spirals from there, really. And, it's sort of, and there is a sort of slow burn of this intensity around their relationship and, I guess, an underlying fixation that she might be cheating on him and all that kind of stuff. So I guess that's the first part of the movie is around that. And like you say, there's a, there is a, a kind of brutal, she's brutally murdered. And then as he gets, he kind of gets convicted and put in prison. And it sort of, that's when the suddenly there's a, the rug's pulled out from underneath you and suddenly, like, he's overnight, he's transformed into a completely different character. Yeah. You know, because the guards acknowledge, oh, my God, it, it, this isn't this isn't Bill Pullman in the thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. They're with us. Yeah, we're going to yeah. work it out, learn it. That helps, doesn't it? It, it? it made me feel better, but then you still never got, you never got an answer. <laughs> in the beginning of the film as well, I mean, I always think this in films in general, but... He had a very nice house to say she doesn't work and he makes like industrial jazz. <laughs> I, I agree. I think, I mean, yeah, I assume that he was just an in demand, <laughs> like an in demand sax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they did have a nice property. You're right. Very nice. Mm. Unusual, though. I'm quite, I was quite split on this. I was watching it and, like you, I was a bit like, I strayed between wondering what it was all about and also being a bit like, I don't really, I don't follow it. And it finished. And my partner said to me, what did you think? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. But one thing I will say about it is that I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Like, like whether, I, I, I think I thought it was quite good. There was bits I had a problem with, but not because of the film, probably because of my interpretation. But I haven't been, I've, I've come away from it literally going, yeah, but what was it about? Like... <laughs> 
Yeah. Like I like I spent I spent a lot of time. I watched it on um I watched it about two or three days ago and I have I spent the last few days like what, what what was it about though? Like it's it is quite intriguing and that that I think that's one of the things to go into things we like about it that I did like is that it did challenge you and it and it did didn't pander to you and it kind of let you go you decide and um so that that is something I did I did really like about it as well as the things we've already talked about the soundtrack the way it mm-hmm. looks it, it looks very co- kind of cool but minimalist but you know very obvious, it, yeah bleak it's it's a neo noir isn't it so it's that kind of yeah, thing yeah. I mean what about you Adam like what does the sort of things did you like about it yeah the soundtrack was huge for me oh um, yeah I just think throughout I I love that kind of that kind of like 90s industrial metal of like um, Manson and Night Snails, um, especially because I haven't really listened to that music for a while. Yeah. So that was that was nice to re-watch, to watch this film and have all that that music that I kind of have dipped out of over the years. Um, so that was a big thing for me. Like a part, a part of this film kind of felt like this was just David Lynch's excuse to get Patricia Arquette naked as many times as possible. I mean, yeah. (laughs) A lot in this film, doesn't it? Um, But no, I enjoyed the film. Um, Yeah, but just, I think just that that whole thing of being so confused. I I was always wanting to know what what was coming next. That was was one of the best things in it for me because I, I was, the relationship between Patricia Arquette's character and the, Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The, like, morphing lead man. <laughs> I thought that was the most interesting part of it mm. because it was that thing of, does she even exist? Is she or two people? That kind of yeah. Well? Does mm. she know who he is? Because at times it felt like she didn't know who he who he was. At times it felt like she didn't know who he was. What's the significance of the other man? Because he seems to have all the power within it. And then the older like mob boss guy, he seemed to have some form of relationship with this unknown man too. There were so many questions but i think that's what made me so intrigued by it because mm. i couldn't figure out what things are and i always liked i always like to have an understanding of where we are in a film but i really like that i didn't have that understanding i feel like it's the kind of film where i need to watch it several times to, mm. to know, know different things because there was things i kept it doesn't get any clearer out. though <laughs> <laughs> i could also i can't imagine it it's like there's little things i kept focusing on like they really made a big thing 
of the number plates of cars. Mm. And they all different numbers on it. I was thinking, what's the significance of these numbers on the number plates? But I feel like it's all, at times it feels, it feels like, oh, these are probably just red herrings to make you focus on these things, which aren't really of any kind of relevance. But it, the way it's shot makes it feel like they should be of relevance. Mm. Giles, did you get a chance to watch it again? Or did you just come into it having already seen it quite a few times? I have watched it a lot of times. I, and mm. I actually, obviously talking about it now, I do want to go and watch it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very familiar with the movie I've watched. Yeah. And, and actually, do you know what? I've got, I've got, well, I've got it here. I've got the two disc special edition. Oh, oh wow! Um, but actually, to understand it more at the time, I actually bought the screenplay. Oh wow! Wow! Uh, it didn't help me understand it anymore. <laughs> um, but it's got some nice, like, kind of shots and stuff from the movie in it. Um, um, but yeah, because I just, I was so in love with this film, I just kind of sort of wrapped. My, and do you know what? It, it made. I was aware of David Lynch's work before. I'd watched Twin Peaks. I, when I was a kid, I watched Elephant Man. I was a big fan of that. Mm. Um, and um, and some of his other stuff. But it really made me delve into him and his work. I mean, I remember buying biographies of his um, to find out more about where, you know, and then I started going watching Blue Velvet and Wild at Heart and all these other movies of his um, and really soaking up every, everything that he did. I just became sort of a bit obsessed with David Lynch after after watching Lost Highway. Is, is there many differences in the screenplay and the um and the film is it, or is it is it No, uh, it's pretty it's pretty, pretty much, basic, yeah. actually. I don't think yeah. they cut a lot from the screenplay to be honest. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah. But I remember reading it again and thinking actually it's a, it could be a great novel. You know, yeah. even as a, in, in even in script form it's actually you know and actually it kind of works as a novel because you know you can play around with um, shifting the time and and all those kind of things. You could even do it from first person, couldn't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the novel way. thing would really work. I, I think, especially in kind of understanding the, the the frame of mind of characters, it's like. So I've always enjoyed all the Harry Potter books and films, but there's certain things in the books where you know where it's all described what he's thinking and feeling that you don't get in the in the film. Yeah, you just can't do it, can you? Yeah, so that that would be a really interesting take on this film, understanding the mind of, of that lead role. Interesting. I just wondered if any of you had any theories. Because I think a lot of things we always thought that my friend Dave and I that we used to watch it was that um, perhaps the two timelines, the two stories, the two halves were actually parallel to each other. Um, and that, that those two lives were... You know, she was leaving mm. two sort of separate lives. Um, that was kind of thought a concept that we. I didn't know if any of you guys have had any kind of think thoughts about like what you know conspiracy theories about what actually is going on. Al, um, probably nothing new or original, but um, I don't know. I, I just got the impression it was it was Bill Pullman the whole time, mm. forgetting who he was. Yeah. I mean that's that's probably not an original thought, but that was kind of my my first thing there. But like one of the one of the main things I liked, and it's sort of like it's the same with most of the art I like. I like I like not having an answer. I like not being able to come up with one. I like not being given one. Um, like a lot of the plays I like are like surrealism and Dadaism. Mm. They're my, they're my favourites, and they're like it. Something's given to you, and what you do with it is entirely up to you. Um, so. Yeah, that's kind of the only theory I came up with. But, like, I wasn't lo- really looking for one, to be honest. I was just no. enjoying it as it happened. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I quite, I, I was reading about what David Lynch himself said, and I've got it here. He said it was possibly, ref- he, he might have alluded to it being something called psychogenic fugue, <laughs> which says it's a form of disassociation where a person <laughs> temporarily temporarily loses awareness of their identity including memories mm-hmm. and personality so it's almost like it's similar to what al said which is mm-hmm. they are the same person in a kind of i suppose a, a kind of almost crude comparison might be something like fight club spoilers for that if you've not seen it yeah, where yeah, yeah. they turn into each other because they are sharing one body but they are mm-hmm. the same i guess um yeah almost like a fantasy world that he was he created his own yeah characters. it's that thing isn't it of he go he goes from being kind of well, a bit older, and, you know, a little bit. He's not in amazing shape. I mean, he's he's fine, but then he goes. He turns into kind of a, a better looking, younger, slimmer guy. So I don't know. Maybe that kind of element of and his wife and him kind of kind of seem a little distanced. And this other guy has this passionate affair with the blonde Patricia Arquette. So maybe it's something like that. Maybe like you say, it's a bit. It's it's a fantasy type thing. Particularly when you consider the way that Eddie is interpreted by everybody else, especially the police. 
They're always mm. like, oh, look at this guy. Look at all the girls he's getting constantly. There's mm. all this kind of jealousy around that character mm. because of kind of the role that he has. Mm. Mm. I kind of, in some ways, I kind of interpret it as sort of like, like he's kind of made a deal with the devil. Mm, and the creepy point. guy who keeps seeing is kind of like a devil character. And that's why there's, yeah. there's a line when he's on the phone where he says something to him like about um, when you when you kill somebody in like um, Eastern culture, you'll you will be eventually killed yourself, but you don't know when that's going mm. to be. And mm. it kind of felt like him being Eddie was him being able to get away from what he's done but that it's still coming for him at some point. And that was kind of the relevance of that other character. It, that actor who plays the mystery man actually thought he was the devil. I'm sure I read that, that actor uh, said. Yeah, I think I've, I've, I think he, I've read something. Yeah, he said, I am, I'm the devil. That's who I, cause that, yeah. he, he's just he, an omnipresent kind of figure. Isn't yeah, because he? he's, yeah, yeah. he's in two places at once. He seems to be able to appear and disappear. And, and he's obviously some sort of... He, he, although he also seems to be a person because he asks who that guy is. Again, it's it's open to interpretation, isn't it? He's he's the act. I think I think it's Robert Robert Blake. Is it? I think so. He, yeah. Um, yeah. He he said himself. He was like, I stopped asking uh, David Lynch questions because he was like, I'm just enjoying the mystery of it. And he was mm. like, I got I got so much more out of it when I stopped asking what's going on and I just mm. let just let loose. Really, the guy who he who knew who he was. It, it, in some ways, I kind of felt like he might not be an actual person because. He was the guy who uh, Bill Pullman was jealous of and he got killed so easily in that really unusual the way. Head, head table just, guy. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> face stabbed. Um, yeah, or maybe it's that kind of empty, kind of vapid Hollywood thing of, oh, that's one of James's friends. Like, it, I don't know, but I'm going to pretend yeah, I do. Like, because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I suppose like in, like, American Psycho. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, well, he... I saw him last week. We had dinner. Yeah, yeah Paul yeah. Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Have you got any more recent theories, Giles, about what you think it might be about? No, I think you're right. I think that there's this sort of concept about the um, maybe like a multi personality disorder or something like that. I think that's a, that, that's an interesting um, take on it for sure. Um, but like you say, I think it's just kind of watching it and just letting it wash over you and mm. just kind of taking it for what it is, which is, you know. Similar to what Al said, and, well, and, and Adam, it, it reminds me of, so we all, the three of us met at university on a drama mm -hmm. degree. So we've seen a lot of really, really good and a lot of really, really bad theatre. And yeah. it kind of reminded me of a good theatre piece where you sit down, you watch it, and then you talk about it afterwards. And that, I really like that. It was it was thought-provoking and challenging, I suppose. Mm. So, so. So that's that's something. One thing I did want to ask you is what what do you think happens at the end? Because he starts convulsing and screaming and looks kind of like he's turning back into someone else. Is that it, or is it just again? Is it just well, that is what's happening? So there you go. Well, yeah. I guess it, I mean, I guess could be could be all those all those characters colliding together, mm -hmm. and and actually he's you know he's driven him to insanity. Perhaps mm. Uh, mm. I guess that's what I kind of sort of took from him. That yeah, he's actually. On, he's just lost it. Do, do any of you? Uh... His head was sort of like twice the size, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of morphed. It reminded me of like when you kind of see a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde type transformation in 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 those yes. kinds of films, which again leads on to the split personality. Yeah, yeah, idea, I suppose. Or in Terminator Two, when T One Thousand is melting. Yeah, or um, the other thing it reminded me of is when anyone turns into an agent in the Matrix. I mean, do either of you guys have any any theories on what the ending means? I don't like. I, like I say, I just I, I I didn't really think about it. I, at this at that point, I just let go, and uh, I don't know nothing fresh or original mm. I can think of. I was hoping he was transforming into a different like iteration of someone else, but I kind of felt like I that the 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 thought I got was this is kind of his world completely yeah. collapsing now. I thought at the end he might have turned into Patricia Arquette, you know, just to be like. Like your head, just have, blow your head off, and be like, "What is what's going on?" Type thing. I thought Patricia Arquette's character was the most interesting one because you could never really figure her out. She wasn't good. She wasn't bad. No, and I think I guess with Bill Pullman, she was a sort of slightly timid, obviously because of their relationship. Um, 
quite timid and, and scared. And I guess as when she was the blonde Patricia Arquette, she was more, you know, voluptuous and um, sensual and more kind of forthcoming um, and was very much leading the relationship with um, Balthazar Getty's character. Right? Um, so I think, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was, she was very interesting. Yeah, I think her, her I mean, it was a, a brilliant performance of mm. her, I think. Oh, it was brilliant. She kept she guessing when she was the blonde one as well because there was loads of times where I was like, she's setting him up here. Mm. And then she yeah. didn't. And you go, okay, she likes him. And then she sets, you think, oh, she's going to set him up again. Yeah. So uh, she, was, she was really good in this. I, I thought yeah, Balthazar yeah. Getty was really good. And I've not seen him in much. I've only really seen him in, um, was he in Charmed? And I think he was in, I know he was in Judge Dredd. I know him more because he's part of the famous family, the Getty family. Yeah. I thought he was excellent in this. I thought he was really mm. good. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose, is there anything, um, I'll, ask, I'll ask the chaps first, I'll ask you first, Adam. Is there anything you'd change about it? Anything you kind of didn't like? Um, no, because I, I think because it's, it's so unusual and that's what, made, that's what drew me to it, I think anything I would change would be to make Lytra, but then that's part of the joy of the film. I think if you would change things and make things more obvious, mm. then you're going to lose a lot of the film's charm. Um, maybe it was a touch slow in the beginning, but I like that Pinter-style dialogue. Mm. I think that's what made it really interesting. And um, I just love Bill Pullman's grey jacket. Yeah. <laughs> that grey jacket was fantastic. Bill Pullman is... I mean, I think he's a really underrated actor, actually. I was going to say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been, you know, I've watched the cinema more recently and he's fantastic in that as well. Mm. I've only really seen him in kind of Independence Day. But even in that, like, he's got, he's just got an edge to him. It's a bit like um, um, Michael Keaton's got that edge to him. It's yeah. Like, you know, they, do, they often do, they do, do occasionally do commercial movies, but they're, there's a darkness underneath that they they occasionally let out, and I think yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that that Pinterest kind of style at the beginning, which very drawn out, very little dialogue, a lot of smoking in smoky rooms. I think he's absolutely exceptional in those bits. Mm. Was there anything you personally would change, Al? Or um, I I'll, I'll say no because, like I say, I really really loved it, and anything I would pick would probably be nitpicky. Uh, but on Bill Pullman, maybe, maybe I thought he, because how long was he out of the film for? It a felt lot, like a, a long time. Mm. Some, sometimes I did miss him. Mm. Like, I, like, oh. like, I really enjoyed his performance. <laughs> yeah, I think there was, there was more intrigue with his character than. Yeah. Uh, mm. um, but I, I wouldn't change much. Like I say, soundtrack, brilliant, the style, the look of it. Patricia Arquette, I think Patricia Arquette and Bill Pullman were absolutely superb mm. together yeah. as well, individually and together. Mm. I'd have liked to have seen um, Marilyn Manson and Twiggy's cameos be bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were just in a porn film, weren't they? they were just in the yeah. porn Does he? Did he yeah. fall on the floor or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it, looks a... like, it looks like Manson got killed in the porno. Yeah. 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 It might have, might have been I a snuff. It, I, I think it might have been a snuff movie. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it was. Yeah. I think that's why the like mob boss character liked it so much. Yeah. So we'll move on to the, the kind of general critical reception um, of the film at the time. We'll try and get an idea of where we think we're going to place it in, in terms of the pantheon of underrated, underappreciated, etc. So on IMDb, it gets a 7.5 out of 10. And on um, Rotten Tomatoes, this is I think this is quite a strange one. It gets 87% from the audience, but 60% from the critics, which I think that's quite a big um, gap in terms of those two things. Come to you first, Giles. I think we know what you're going to say, but is it underrated? I think it is, and I think compared to some of his other work, it is. Um, I think, I mean, David Lynch is not, he, he's never going to make commercial movies. I mean, no. he attempted to make one commercial movie, which I guess was Dune, and that failed miserably. Um, and so he's always kind of done his own thing, and I think he, he probably doesn't give two monkeys what anyone thinks of his work. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I like, I like about him. But I think, yeah, I think from a critical point of view, I think it probably was misunderstood, which, you know, and we've kind of alluded to some of the reasons probably why. Um, but that is interesting that actually from an audience point of view on Rotten Tomatoes, that actually it's more 
it's more loved than perhaps um, the critics gave it credit for. But then, you know, critics are often wrong about things. I think mm. Fight Club didn't get particularly well received when it came out. It's one of my mm. favourite movies. Mm. So. Well, we talked to um, Clarice Lockery. She was our guest last week, who's the independence film critic, among some other things. She was saying she finds that idea of the critics really funny, as if, like, everyone... The, the film is presented to a room full of people at once, and they are like a machine, that, like the machine out of <laughs> yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And yeah, they, just, yeah. they just go, it's this, it's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. And like, take it away, like, and that kind of thing. Adam, what about you? Is it underrated? Is it underappreciated? Um, I'd probably say both, because I say I think things like Twin Peaks and Mulholland Drive are so kind of... Mm, Blue Velvet as well, yeah. Yeah, whereas this I didn't know a great deal about. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say both underrated. Mm, um, mm. Al, know. what about you? Yeah, definitely underrated, underseen, underappreciated. I think um, I'm surprised that it got a higher audience. Mm. Yeah, I would have thought the critics would have kind of loved it and the audience would have been, like, yeah, pretty much the other way around, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll, call that one, uh, we'll call that one underrated, put it in the, in the ever-growing underrated pile. So thanks very much for for coming on, Giles. Hope you've been, hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you feel that really we enjoyed it. Yeah, um, it's lovely to, to chat about that movie again. You know, yeah. a, um, it's one that I bring up in conversation with my. But you know, when you sort of say to people, oh, they say, "Oh, I want to watch something I haven't seen before." You know, it's one of those ones I always sling in the pile and say, "Check it out." Most people. Um, oh, it's really nice to chat to you guys because you've sort of appreciated the movie. Not often. Um, when I've suggested it to people, people were like, no, that was that was terrible. What is um, <laughs> I'm don't sitting ever in... suggest any movies to me again. <laughs> yeah. But it's not it's not a um we we're um, we're having a night in on Saturday, we're gonna get a pizza. Yeah. Have you got any films? Yeah. It's like, do you like men turning onto other men and Patricia Arquette with no clothes on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um Excellent. So, is there anything we, we can watch out for you? I believe you I believe you had a book out early this year. Was it 152 days? Yeah, it just came out just before, well, kind of just before it, came lo- it got, went into lockdown, which is not the best timing. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of semi-autobiographical, semi-autobiographical um, verse novel um, about, yeah, about a boy who's sort of coping with um, a mum who's going through uh, end-of-life care. And it's sort of, it's a kind of a sort of, a slight coming of age story, but um, yeah, dealing with a difficult situation. It's written in verse as well, so it's um, it's quite unusual book. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's come out by, with Unbound, and uh, yes, it's, it's been really well received so far. So I'm really really happy with it. Excellent. And is that available all the usual places? Yeah, all, all the, the yeah. Long places. Um, yeah, online or um, hopefully when bookshops open again at some point. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I believe obviously you've got your own podcast, uh, Blank Pod. Be sure to check that out. If you got any, for, I particularly enjoyed the Gary Lineker one. Yeah, and, Gary's Gary was great. We actually got to go to Gary's house as well, which was oh, very wow. nice. Yeah. Lots of Leicester memorabilia. No, no, I mean, he's got a very very nice house. Um, Gary is a really lovely guy, actually. And in fact, everyone, I'm so relieved. <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, we always, I guess, with most of the guests, you kind of hope they're going to be I mean we've been really lucky all the I mean, we've done 70 odd episodes now and everyone's been so nice mm. um, and what's great about it and then as you know as podcasters is um, you, you get people the, the generally people aren't they haven't got anything to sell they just want to come and chat to you and um, you know it's that that kind of is that what I was saying earlier and it's that connection with people and and you get to know people a little bit better than you do when you I don't know when you watch them on regular stuff when they've mm. only got like 45 seconds to tell you about their latest program or whatever you get an hour with someone it's um it's quite special really I, I don't I don't think I would have ever seen this film either never heard of it so I think that's what makes it interesting I think and I think it's a nice way to chat to somebody as well if they've got a film that they're passionate about and it kind of gives you an insight into them as a person which is mm. nice too mm. yeah it's true, and it's true, and it's a bit like I guess when you you think like Desert Island Disc, which is you know, yeah, where people can they talk about their lives and everything, and and often sometimes the difficult moments, which I mean our, our podcast we talk about difficult moments, but you, you intersperse with like their favourite songs, you know, it's mm. great. Um, yeah, and, mm. and movies, you know, even someone who isn't into movies, they still got a favourite movie, haven't they? So. Well, there we go. Um, 
another really really interesting episode there. I mean, that was really kind of that's a, that's certainly one of the most out there films we've done. I don't know. I I I, I thought it was really interesting to to kind of pick everyone's brains. I certainly actually wasn't sure everyone would like it. Did I? Did you? Did you like it, Josh? I, I couldn't yeah, work I, out. It, it's a strange one. So there was bits of it I thought was a, was I I kind of didn't get to it in the actual bulk of the podcast, but. I really enjoyed the fact that I went away thinking about it. There was bits that I thought were a little slow, but other than that, I, I, yeah, I, it was really thought provoking, is what, what I will say. It did what it absolutely intended to do. I think is, yeah. is the sign, is sign of why it's successful in, in its kind of in its attempt, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, think, I think whether you hated it or you loved it, I loved it. Whether you hated it or you loved it, like you said earlier, you you can't really switch off from it. It's almost beyond rating. Yeah. It's almost like it doesn't matter. It's not there to be rated. It's there to be like make you think. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's it for this week. Um, if you do want to get in touch with the pod in the meantime, it's films and that pod at gmail.com. The Twitter is at films underscore that. And we're on Facebook and Instagram as films and that pod. Hopefully we'll have um some more episodes for you at some point. Um, but until then. I, we hope you're, you're keeping well in lockdown. Please do stay connected. As Giles said, please do stay in touch. Um, Al Bollins, thank you very much. Toodle pip. Uh, Adam Ward, thank you very much. Pratra. And it's a big thanks from me and cheerio. Hello, Josh here again. I just wanted to take another little minute to say thanks again for downloading the podcast. It really is greatly appreciated. If you do like it, then please like, subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Special mentions go to Lee for the music, Luke for the logo and Abby for producing, editing and generally putting up with us. If you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. Thanks once again. Cheerio. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.